what's going on, everybody? You listen to Seggy Station. Some man has a nickname, what was that to say? With no shame. Monday, April 26, 2021. Hope all is well out there, everybody. Hope everyone's staying safe. Nick Seglin here. You're listening to Seggy Station Podcast. I got some company coming through today as well. I got my dude, Chew Smats the Stats Kid here. We got some MLB to get into. What's good, Smats? Oh, what's going on, everyone? It's Smats the Stats Kid coming back at you at a beautiful Monday afternoon. It's a little chilly out with the wind, but, you know, it's great to see the sun shining. The leaves are coming back on the trees, and we got some sports to talk about. What? So you know, it's a good day. I've been chilling with you for way too long to not even ask you this. I waited for the pot. What logo is that on your hat? Oh, right now? Yeah. Uh, this is the Biloxi Shuckers. It's a minor league team in Biloxi, Mississippi. Uh, obviously, you know, it's a clam nice, logo. Dude. I got it uh, two years ago working down at Lobster Landing. I like to wear a hat down there, and I figured it's pretty good. We sell clams, so, you know, why not get a clam on my hat? And then, you know, didn't want to be wearing anything too crazy besides my Mets hat. So this is I'm as happy got. as a clam that you're here. A lot to get to hey. in the MLB. Fired up to touch on some of the topics I have for you on it today. Rich will be here in a little bit. Got some NBA to get into with Rich. A lot going on in sports. Mm. NFL draft this week. Uh, just three more sleeps on that. I mean, it's just NHL, MLB, you got PGA Tour golf, NBA coming up on the playing wrinkle in their playoff format, NFL draft. I mean, it's just nonstop with the sports world, particularly also with the verdict coming down last week and the reaction from the sports world. Where, in my opinion, we've been talking about this on the pod, and I've been hearing it more and more in the airwaves where you're seeing the athlete, the professional sporting leagues, and sports in general really impacting positive change, something that I've really talked about since I ever started podcasting. And just seeing it come to fruition uh, with some good is always a good thing. Uh, Definitely a lot going on in sports, though. Looking forward to catching up on it with my man Smats. Yeah, absolutely. There's plenty to get into, so... I guess first and foremost, we should, might as well hit the uh, reaction with the Chauvin trial, because, um, you know, in reality, that's more important than anything else going on. It's great to see that, um, you know, the right decision was made in that. We'll have to wait and see what the sentencing comes down to and see how hard they hit him. Uh, but also just a reminder to our listeners out there that this is, you know, while this is great, it's only one case where this has happened. There's plenty of other people, plenty of other names to remember and, uh, yeah, definitely. Families to think about and stuff too, but hopefully, like we said, this ignites a positive change moving forward, where we see the right actions being made more than the wrong ones. Yeah, I completely, re- I completely agree with you, brother. I came on, reacted basically the same way, uh, but I do have something I wanted to bring up in that regard before we touch on the MLB. Right now, it's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Seggy Straight Talk microphone. It's always direct. Time to reflect. As always, check me out on my Instagram page at Seggy Station, Twitter page as well. You can follow along what we're doing on the podcast. Always got a live version up. On my Twitch stream, it's underscore Seggy underscore G. You can always check out or listen to the podcast there. And as always, still up on Spotify, Podbean, and a few other platforms. Appreciate all love and support, as always. Chew, you brought up a good point there, and I do have a lot of MLB to get into before Rich comes, yeah, before the break. But I do want to uh, touch on this uh, real quick because it's crazy to me. This happened on Tuesday. Here we are Monday, basically a week uh, since the verdict coming down and the reaction from the sports world and i got in a pod i think rich came through all the days are like morphing together for me now that i'm back to work work, and it's just like crazy bro i'm getting mad early going to bed mad early like trying to get my notes in trying to still pod and watch sports so much going on in sports and Mm -hmm. particularly when you're trying to follow sports and something like this is going on as well it's definitely in my opinion more important um and you see the sports uh, media, you see the obviously the athlete and the professional leagues uh, 
at least spending some attention on it enough where obviously it's caused some reactions, not only from the athlete in the sports world, but from obviously everybody else that's online. Um, I think it's unfair for us to beat up on people that are in the spotlight, professional athlete, um, whatever it is, celebrity, um, when they go out and do making a statement on Twitter or whatever. And I'm not defending what LeBron James did here because I thought his second tweet about the situation with Makia Bryant, which I talked about here on the podcast, literally, I was like, bro, this is, I just saw this morning something else went down. But after I saw what went down, after you see the video that's released, after you do a little more research, you can clearly see that it's two different situations. Mm-hmm. And it's, I understand it, it, it could be read off as the same thing. Like, oh, look, somebody else was killed by the police that was of the African-American descent. But the context is important in these situations. And the only thing that I, that really bothered me about this LeBron James thing is even somebody like me that like, doesn't watch the news much, doesn't really get on the socials as much. Like, but I see something from an athlete that I like, I'm a LeBron James fan, right? I'm a, I'm a fan of sports. Like whatever he says is impactful to the fan of his. And he's got a lot of fans. Um, it's, is he setting a bad example? Obviously, he made a mistake and he admitted to that, but it's so much more than that to me. It's like, bro, we can't be bashing him because I've probably put up a bunch of tweets that I should take down. And with the NFL draft coming up, like you got a lot of people with draft stock following and whatever because the shit they did on Twitter and shit. It's like, that's just like you were telling me before we came on air here. That's just the world we live in. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, this whole... Oh man, this man this man made a mistake on Twitter. LeBron James clearly made a mistake. Do I look at him any differently now? No. Absolutely not. I mean, I wish he didn't do that. I wish he he set a better example for the situation. I I applaud what he did with the George Floyd. I applaud for him coming out on that whole Raiders thing with Mark Davis where he tweeted out saying I can't breathe and, and having a problem with that. Regardless of Mark Davis wanted to do that or him connecting with George Floyd's brother and being able to do that. LeBron's allowed to have his own opinion on that. And there's no problem with that. Mm-hmm. But I do think when that video surfaced and he had a response in which basically your next accountability, all this shit where it's like, bro, we're being a little too hard here on the police officer as well. And I'm all for the black lives matter movement. I'm all for the black community and, and all that, bro, for sure. Everything, change all that but we got to remember here like i'm not a police officer you're not a police officer i'm not a police officer because of that reason right there because in my opinion that dude either doesn't do what he did and that person may have stabbed and killed that other person right i mean you watch the video or he did what he did and obviously he gets the reaction after everything that just happened with the george floyd verdict i think the best point you made is this is not a one-time incident here this is going to continue to happen. This has happened plenty of times in which no verdicts were down. So for me, it's like, it wasn't a time to celebrate. It was good to see some good being done for a police officer doing something clearly wrong. We all know it was wrong there. But even listening to their whole reaction all week, like most people in the sports world and African-American descent did not think that was going to be the case. And just thinking that, it's just very discouraging, you know? Yeah, it definitely is, and um, I don't want to use this expression, especially because, it, um, you know, with the racial thing and stuff, too, but 
every situation is not so black and white. Each situation is different in a sense with that. And this is different than other things we've seen, the George Floyd case and stuff like that. Uh, Obviously still horrible to see, but like you said, you know, we weren't there. We were only able to garner what we were able to get from, you know, videos, pictures, stuff like that. It's horrible what happened, but... um, it's tough, too. When you're a guy like LeBron James and you have that platform, you really need to. And he's done a fantastic job throughout his whole Absolutely. career. You think about the worst thing he ever did. People talk about it, it was the decision where he decided sure. to go to Miami and stuff like that. Um, or maybe tweeting about China and stuff last year. But in reality, this guy's not getting in trouble off the court. He's a great role model, yeah. family man, stuff like that, too. But I think the problem with social media, and it's not just these athletes. It's everyone, like you said, even yep. up-and-coming athletes in the draft. Kids who maybe get drafted 10 years from now who tweet something stupid now. You see it happen with um, Brewers reliever Josh Hader a couple years ago. Some of his tweets came to light and he, uh, you know, rightfully so, took a bunch of backlash and stuff. But I think with the social media world, you're so quick to get your reactions out that you don't stop and think about how you're portraying what you want to portray and stuff like that. And then LeBron had his follow-up tweet to come up and talk about it. And, you know, he said he deleted it because it was creating more hate than yeah, good. Yeah, it's like and my combination that of that, too, though, is like for it's you for and everyone. Me. It's for everyone. Obviously, with him, it's it's on a bigger scale because he has such a large platform yeah. and such a huge audience. But, you know, that goes to everyone, each individual person. It's like the one of the oldest things my dad taught me, um, you know, think before you speak and treat people absolutely. the way you want to be treated and stuff like that. I think, um, obviously, the uh, think before you speak, think before you tweet is kind of a... Uh, would be a better way yeah, to say it now. Because, that, yeah. I'm just saying like the rhetoric that the average bot on Twitter, none of his stuff gets taken down. And it's like the whole thing for me is it depends on who you are. It Even even you and me who aren't bots, if we go and say something on Twitter like that to uh, about LeBron James, about that situation, like it's – Anybody that's following us can have just the same reaction, bro. Just because I don't have 100,000 followers doesn't mean somebody can't be upset with what I posted. Yeah. Um, And that's kind of my whole thing with it. Like, social media can get you in just as much trouble as it can yeah, get good. you in any tr- good. Yeah. Exactly, exactly like you said. This is going viral and making you famous and bullshit. Like, it's all about how you want to use it, man. And I see a lot of people just using it the wrong way. And... In this instance, I think LeBron used social media in in the the wrong way. way. I agree with you. You know, I disagree with the post that he put up in a sense that uh, I do. uh, I agree with the second half uh, tweet where it was, you know, it creates more harm than good in that situation, what he posted. But at the end of the day, I'm still a LeBron James fan. I still love what he does for the communities and everyone else and what he does on and off the court. It's one of those things. But I disagree with that post, too. And, you know, it just goes to show, like I said, for everyone where, you know, no matter how you feel and stuff, too, it's always good to, uh, you know, proofread a couple times and, you know, maybe just delete it, stuff like that, especially with social media now. Because a lot of times back in the day, you'd have time to think about your your thoughts and stuff like that. And then nowadays, it's so quick, everyone can just grab their phone and type a sentence out in one minute or two and then post it and then not realize that five minutes later, maybe I shouldn't have posted that, but it's already out there. So Yeah, agreed. Look who's here. Hey, Rich, what's going on, kid? What's up, boys? How we doing? Good. What's how up, Rich? Not much, not much. Oh, just got back from a run. I just didn't know we were starting up already, but good to go. Let's get it. True, we're in here just talking a little bit about the wild week. Uh, obviously, with the reaction of the sports world with the verdict and then everything going on with the LeBron James Twitter and everything. Just, just the whole problems, I think, with the online. And I think we covered it here pretty well. Won't bore you to death with repeating it. Uh, we were going to touch on some MLB, but I guess we'll do that here after you... 
head out for work. Because I did want to touch on some of the M- NBA too. Chewie's going to be mad that we're skipping over some of the MLB. But I will yeah, just you guys, have him. You guys can do MLB first if you want. I will have him. Uh, ju- uh, we could do that actually because we have a couple of the topics. I was going to do a break. But I did want to give your guy a quick shout out, Chew. I know you're going to have to get into it a little more. But I did have this. This is the stat I needed to show you because Jacob DeGrom has more RBIs this season. He has two. Then earn runs allowed, which is one. Basically, Little League. I saw he was the fastest pitcher in MLB history to reach 50 Ks. Um, really good, obviously. Really great. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's funny because this man is really good. Like, probably the best pitcher in the game. Um, and a lot of those lists that we were having uh, that I was talking about on the pod like a month back in terms of best, best athlete in New York uh, area, a lot of those people didn't even mention it. And... To me, I'm like, that is just so disrespectful. Uh, like, what is the deal with the this man not getting his praise? Like, this is like my whole problem with the MLB, too. Because you got a really good series in the Padres and Dodgers, right? That I'm like, oh, is this the Red Sox-Yankees from two decades ago? And you're like, yes. Uh, you got a ton of stuff going on in the MLB, I think, Uh you know, seven-inning no-hitter conversation, the Musgrove no-hitter we covered a couple weeks on the pod. You know what I don't see in any of the sporting uh, airwaves I listen to? Any talks about baseball. You know what I also don't see? Or what I do see? When there's any talks about baseball, like this morning, it was about this Bumgarner no-hitter, seven-inning, notable achievement bullshit because the MLB has some dumbass rule that we'll touch on before we get out of here. Oh, baseball is stupid. Like, that's literally what they're saying. On the ESPN radio, they're saying baseball is stupid. Now, I don't know how many people listen to ESPN radio, but I think a good amount. And you can listen to ESPN radio on ESPN too. If you're out here, if you're in the MLB, and people in the sports media are basically just like, yeah, baseball is stupid, to either the casual fan like me or the I'm a big baseball guy like you, that can't be good. That can't be good. That that's what they're using to describe your sport. I don't I don't ever hear anybody saying the NBA is stupid. I don't ever hear uh, people saying like the NFL is stupid at the leading headlines. But also I'd argue this because the NFL and NBA and all that is talked about way more, right? Because so yeah, you're gonna have random things where NFL oh the NFL is stupid for this rule, but it's talked about nonstop just like the NFL draft. Like the MLB should be talked about more. But in my opinion, it's only talked about when they're doing the stupid shit, when they're doing the bad they shit. Do you hear that, me on that? Yeah, yeah. Let me rephrase Like the it. ESPN. So, you so get what me, I'm saying? Let, yeah, let me rephrase it for you. So you mean in the sense that it's only talked about when it's the bad negatives and stuff like that. They never seem to highlight any of the positives. Like this great series we just had. Um, you know, yes. Obviously, that, they'll touch on the no. Like, I don't hear anything about Jake DeGrom being the b- fastest pitcher to 50Ks in MLB history. Mm-hmm. None of that. Yeah. I watched a whole I watched a whole six hours of ESPN radio this morning. Yeah. I didn't hear a single thing about that. Well, it's kind of funny, too, because uh, Shane Bieber had actually set the record earlier this year because he got his fourth start in quicker than Jacob DeGrom. They talked about it a little bit more, but, you know, unfortunately, DeGrom, for his career, always seems to sweep under the radar a little bit. Um, as far as it goes, I mean... He is the best pitcher in the game. Um, me, a Mets fan, obviously, and a baseball guy, I am not taking this for granted. I don't think people realize how good this man is, and it's unfortunate that they don't market it better. 
He's always been a quiet, reserved guy, always says all the right things, polite, humble, all that. So he's not putting himself out on a platform like a Trevor Bauer, yeah. a Fernando Tatis Jr., some of these other guys, yeah. Juan Soto, stuff like that. But, you know, he's more of a Mike Trout style where he's going to let his play on the field do the talking. And obviously we've seen that this year. He's hitting 545 to start the season, which is actually leading the MLB with a minimum uh, plate appearances of 10. So that's pretty cool. He also is leading the league in ERA with a 0.31. He's averaging 15.5 strikeouts per nine. He's putting up Hall of Fame caliber numbers. Uh, he did say a couple weeks ago to Jeff Passan, he did a great article. He said he wants to become an inner circle Hall of Famer. And in order to do that, he's going to have to pitch into his 40s, and he knows what his goal is. But the thing that I love about these guys, him, Garrett Cole, I was watching the other day, Shane Bieber, is they they never reach a level of complacency. They're always striving to get better. DeGrom threw a two-hit shutout with 15 Ks the other day and then came back in after that and then just got back to work, started scouting for his next game against the Red Sox coming up on Wednesday. So it's just it's that it factor with guys like this where they just are able to just take it to that next level. Even like the Dodgers-Padres like uh, series that mm-hmm. you just talked about and mentioned yeah. Tatis had five home runs in three games. I mean, absolute incredible comeback last night for the Padres on Sunday Night Baseball up against the Dodgers. Uh, You got quotes from Trevor Bauer talking about how the reaction to him covering his eye, the the stuff between Tatis and Bauer, the beef. They they think it's good for the sport. Bauer thinks it's soft to be throwing at dudes that are celebrating for a home run was basically his quote. And I couldn't agree. I've talked to you about that here. All these, like, unwritten rules in baseball – Touching on this seven no hitter bullshit, gotta go, bro. Yeah. Like if you're telling me that this seven inning double header is an official game, then if a man throws a no hitter in seven innings, here's the deal: it's a seven inning no hitter. There you go. I don't fucking it. understand yeah. why it's a notable achievement and the leading story when I turn on ESPN Radio is how Madison Bumgarner and baseball is stupid. To me, it's just that's not good. It should be Tatis having three home runs in five games. It should be the five fact three, yeah. that uh, Trevor Bauer thinks, hey, man, let's stop throwing it, dudes. Let's ce- let the guys celebrate for doing something great in the sport. Like, it's just all this stuff that stacks up for me with baseball just makes it so hard for me, man. It really does. Especially when the NBA is putting on Sunday 1 o'clock game, Sunday 3.30 ESPN game, and two NBA t- TV games on Sunday yeah, night. tough to... I mean, they got Saturday games. You got 12 NBA games tonight. I'm sure there's a lot of baseball. 12 NBA games? I'm checking into that, bro. It's tough for me to not check in on that and check in on baseball. And I think I would check in on more baseball if it was talked about a little more. And it's not. Well, it's you know not what? Talk you know about. what we're talking about right now, though. We're doing exactly what these radio shows do, where you talk about the negatives. So let me bring a couple positives in to actually bring back what baseball is all about. So for Fernando sure. Tatis, first game of the series. 22 years to the day, he hit two home runs the same day, 22 years later, as his dad set the MLB record with two grand slams in one inning. So that was cool. But then what does he do the next day? He comes out and hits two home runs again. Yeah. There have only been two players. There have only been two players to hit, have consecutive games of two home runs at Dodger Stadium. Um, as as a you know a visiting team, the other one is Barry Bonds. So like what this dude is doing is incredible. And then he comes out the next day, hits another ten. I saw so. he hasn't even played 162 games. He yet. hasn't played a full season yet. And his stats are, are unreal. Are the, he's the best in MLB history. Uh, some of his stats yeah. in terms of steals, home runs, and then not played 162 games. Yeah, he's, Fernando um, Tatis. I'd have to look at the numbers. Look he's it up. Cer- he's certainly I heard in the it. top five for sure. A lot of statistics. Hey, no one's talking about that though. 
Exactly, yeah, because it's been... He's Do you want to know what they talk bit, about, though, when it comes to baseball? Him bat, celebrating. Yeah. Him celebrating wrong. Him covering his eye. Like, it's just the dumb shit, bro. Like, I don't know, man. I feel like the mainstream media is still stuck in this way where baseball fans and the people who still follow it, we're all for this. Bat flips, celebrating when you strike out a dude. Trevor Bauer said it best. You know, I'm going to dish it out, but I can also take it if I give up a dinger. The real baseball fans, we're all for this kind of stuff. I feel like the mainstream media is still stuck in, like, the 1970s and 80s where they talk about it and it's all these problems. Like, no, the real baseball fans, no one cares about that. They're just creating controversy and talking about it in a negative. So it's very disappointing to see in that sense. But Tatis, he, has, he had five home runs in three games. He had three home runs in a 24-hour span. He's now tied for the lead in total home runs in all of baseball. He was out for, what, a week and a half? I mean, he's clearly in the MVP conversations. Oh, of course, yeah. Uh, Shohei Itani, I think he's a beast, and I had him for the other MVP, right? You can get one on each side. Yeah, Um, AL and NL, but, you know. How's everything shaking out on that? uh, His (laughs) Mike Trout is hitting, like, 429 and leading the league in homers, so I think Mike Trout is going to win an MVP. They should just call it the Mike Trout MVP award. But, um Shohei is unbelievable, but he's only thrown two games. He's, you know, he's throwing the ball real hard and stuff like that, but have to see it shake out. If he goes out there and gets 10 wins this season and drops 25 tanks, how can you not call him the MVP, most impactful player, too? But, you know, when you got a guy like Mike Trout doing Mike Trout things, it goes under the radar because he's so good. It's almost like the LeBron stats where it's just, you know, he's averaging, you know, 25, 8, and 8, just like his career numbers and stuff, but you just get complacent with it because you expect him to just keep elevating. True. Uh, Rich, any comment at all on anything MLB that we just spent 10 minutes talking about? Uh, no, it would be ridiculous for me to comment. I've only been watching uh, basketball, but I do think it's ridiculous. I hate when uh, the part of the reason I never watched the NBA on TNT, even though I used to love it. I mean, I watched the games, but part of the reason I don't watch the halftime or after the game stuff is it seems like it's just all about bashing the game or like wanting it to be the way it used to be. And it's like, I don't know. I like, I'd rather wish listen to people on YouTube or podcasts or like Zach Lowe or dudes who just like appreciate the game, how it is and talk about the good things like she was just saying. So I don't watch much baseball, but I think the same applies there. Like if you're a fan of the sport, like why, why are you, would you want to listen to people bash it? And if you're a person analyzing it, for that's kind of my thing, though, bro. It just doesn't sport. bother you as a fan of the sport. It does when the mainstream media it's always what it is. It, but it's also like Rich said, I use different outlets. I use outlets of people who actually care and love the game and talk yeah. about the good things as opposed to all the negatives. You know, I hate ESPN when they cover baseball, except yeah. for baseball tonight, because they have the same close knit crew that's been doing it ever since I was a child. Yeah. And they absolutely crush it. But you know, as far as like the main sports center and talks like that, they they don't know a lick about baseball. So it's kind of annoying. But you know, with the good thing, we we're talking all the negatives and stuff, social media and stuff like that. You know, if you are able to find good content on Twitter to follow your teams and actually educate yourself about the game and learn more, then mm-hmm. it can be very, very good for it. Yeah, so, Rich, I wanted to touch on some NBA, but before we do that, I wanted to just do a little bit of a conversation on the NFL draft that is this week. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to make it in tomorrow, and then I got some reads, and then we'll do NBA all the way out till you got to go. Just real quick, boys, uh, any thoughts on anything you got any for me on the NFL draft? I'll just give you a quick blurb on my end, which is I'm so sick and tired of hearing every single day about rumors, uh, this guy is this, this guy could be that. And I get that's all part of the process. 
Um, but I just cannot wait for Thursday night. Um, people are asking me if I'm okay. No, I'm not. I'm fine. But yes, I just wish it was Thursday night. When it comes to this whole NFL draft coverage, obviously the quarterbacks are making the headlines. You got five or six of them potentially, where they go, where they fall, people trading up. Uh, we talked about it here a little bit. Trevor Lawrence, obviously, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Mac Jones could be in at the third slot. Me and Shu has talked about that on the pod. There's plenty to cover in the quarterback spot. I think the running back is very interesting in this draft. Najee Harris, Travis ECN, and I think Chuba Hubbard, Oklahoma State running back, is a sleeper to watch on your fantasy team. I think you'll have three first-round running backs this upcoming draft. Kyle Pitts, I think, is the most talented in this draft that a lot of people are saying, besides Trevor Lawrence, where he winds up to me is very interesting. Penny Sewell is rated to be the best offensive lineman in this draft. We'll see where he winds up. And then we always talk about this, the wide receivers, and it's been rich. Um, You look at last year's wide receiver class, right? There was three that we talked about leading in, Jerry Judy, uh, Henry Ruggs, Henry Ruggs C. and C.D. Lamb. But then Justin, Justin Jefferson, Jefferson comes out of nowhere. Yeah. This year, Devontae Smith, Jamar Chase, and Jalen Waddell, I'd be thinking we're those three with a lot of other guys that could come out of nowhere. We'll see if the Eagles can get it right. On the defensive side of the ball, I think three names that I just wanted to mention real quick that I've been hearing a lot about. Micah Parsons, who I think might be the best defensive player in this draft who opted out because of COVID that a lot of people don't really know about out of Penn State. Patrick Sertan, the second, is a son of a former NFL player, and he's legit out of Alabama, cornerback. And J.C. Horn out of South Carolina, I think, is also going to be a lockdown quarter in this league. A lot of good stuff. But for me, it's let's just wait till Thursday. Let's see where everybody goes. And then when we come in for the next pod, let's say the Jets draft. Uh, Zach Wilson, number two. I think that could be a bust. I'm not saying he's going to suck, but I don't think he's going to be taking the Jets to the promised land. You can't even beat CCU. For me, it's let's wait and see where they go because I keep saying Devontae Smith will go to the Giants, and I'm still praying he's going to go to the Giants. But that's not necessarily the case, right? You got He could go third, fourth overall, sixth to the Dolphins. I mean, there's plenty of spots for him to go. You just have to wait and see. Obviously, the Broncos at nine. Obviously, the draft for NFL fans, football fans, is legit. It's this week. You got any comment on it, boys? I'm pumped about it. Uh, Yeah, my only comment on it is I feel like we get so um, caught in the recency bias and the excitement when it's leading up to draft, and you have all these guys, you've seen it in the past too, that just bounce so high. You have Mitch Trubisky being the first quarterback off the board a couple years ago when you had Pat Mahomes and Deshaun Watson in that draft. We all know how that turned out. I feel like people get so obsessed with how they do with their pro days and all the peripheral numbers, analytics, stuff like that, and kind of forget about, you know, what they did when they were actually on the field and playing and, you know, was their development? Do you see them growing and stuff like that? So it is, you know, there's always busts and drafts and stuff like that too, but the big names really, I mean, you got Jamar Chase and Micah Parsons, the two big boys who opted out, and Panay Sewell too. I think they're going to be great. People kind of forget how good they were. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm very curious to see how what do you Trey got the, Lance you is like, going to be doing. You like the Broncos and Micah Parsons? Yeah, I'm sticking with that. I feel why not invest in that defense, keep going. You have good offensive pieces too. Obviously, they talk about the quarterback, but I've said it on this show uh, plenty of times where 
you know, if you draft a rookie quarterback, unless you're getting the, that generational talent, Andrew Luck, maybe Trevor Lawrence, first overall pick, you know, yeah. some of these guys, Deshaun Watson, even though he fell a little bit. Curious about what you think of Trevor Lawrence. Him, you think he's going to be like, how, where you got, how many wins you got the Jags having this year? I think their over-under is set at, like, six and a half. I was going to say probably six to seven Six wins. and a half. Okay, so I'll pick the under. I'm going to hit six. I mean, they've made some good moves to help upgrade that team, but it is a building process. Yeah. I do love what their owner has done since he bought the team. Um, you know, he's a passionate owner who wants to win. He brought in a guy like Urban Meyer, first NFL experience, but he's rebuilt programs. and made. I'm them not worried about Trevor Lawrence. I'm, already, I'm worried yeah. about Urban Meyer for sure. Rich, any uh, comment on the NFL draft coming up? Rich, do you even have an NFL team? We always ask you this. I'm pretty sure yeah, it's the think, Houston Texans. And if point. it is the Houston Texans, you're beat. Nah, I don't think it can ever happen at this point, honestly. It's the problem with – and I, I've heard a lot of people say this. I have no shame in saying this. I like the NFL, but if I wa- – and I watch any all-day Sunday if I can, every night game. I'll watch any single game when it's on as long as there's not an NBA game on. But if I was not able to – do DraftKings fantasy bet on sports, and there was zero interest aside from just watching the games. I don't even think I'd watch that much NFL. I love watching it aside from that, but like I think I've just gotten to the point where all my invested interests are in different things, and like I can't ever root for one team. I just, I've just gone too long without rooting for a team. It just is what it is in the NFL. Wow, um, that's I just like I the did. weirdest. I wish thing. I did, but I can't like I can't fake it. I've tried to be like, oh, I'm going to be a fan of this team. Like it doesn't work like that. Like you have to like be a fan of that team. Like I can't just tell myself I'm a fan of the team. Yeah, for sure. I'll, I'll give you that. Um, just real quick before this break, boys, I need to get this ran in here quick. Um, there's a couple rule changes approved in the NFL, six to be exact. Two of them I need to comment on real quick. First one, I'll make this quicker than the other one, which is replay. Uh, modifications. They made a couple of modifications to the replay, how you can uh, get some help if you're a referee with the replay. But here's their mistake. Just go to a sky judge. They excuse, they continue to refuse to go to a sky judge if you're the NFL because they're saying, oh, well, we don't want to get too much into the technology. All right, then why are we allowing all these plays to be reviewed anyways? Like, it's just... If we're trying to get it right, let's try and get it right. And the NFL continues to try and modify the replay and not get it right. Quickly, boys, any comment on NFL replay modifications approved by NFL owners? You're already using the technology to make these calls. Why not streamline it to make it faster and hopefully more efficient? We see it in other sports. Unfortunately, the MLB needs to do this too. But I think a sports like tennis... And soccer with the the video assistant replay where they can go and then watch it real quick and see if it actually crossed or not. Use the technology. I know sports are different with each one, but streamline it, make it better. The quote is, we have the technology, but we don't want it to go too far. To me, they just keep experimenting with different stuff, trying to put band-aids on big wounds. And it's like, bro, just use the sky judge. Like, we're, You're constantly having to talk about, on a Monday morning, a fucking game that gets messed up because of replay. Where it's like, bro, we all know what the call was. If you got a sky judge, he bots down or whatever and says, hey, this is the call. I mean, to me, it just makes way more sense. Rich, replay modifications in the NFL, even though you're not a fan of any NFL team. Can the NFL replay affect any of your players on your fantasy squad? No, I mean, it's, it sure can. it's exactly what Chewy just said. It's the same thing with the NBA, and Jeff Van Gundy gets pissed about it. Like, if you're going to have the technology to show people what the right call would have been on the replay and the refs are going to be able to see it. Like just 
I don't know. Like you have the technology available, just put the right call in. It's better than people being upset about it now. Like we can, it's not like the old days where it's like, ah, like maybe it was, maybe it wasn't just keep it playing. Like we're doing a big stop for stuff already. So might as well get it right. Yeah. Really good point there, Rich. I think that's what I've been learning more about the fact that I've been covering sports here for like basically a year and a half, which is, it's so much different, man. Like even when I was a little kid, like just sports are different and they're going to continue to grow and evolve over time. And that's just what it is with anything else. It's tough to keep something the same for so long, uh, particularly with sports. My last rant before the break boys, and I need to get this in because the other rule change that's got the NFL headlines up in arms is this number debacle. Let me just say this. We talked about it here. I've covered this here on the pod before it went official. Stefan Diggs not wanting to change his number because of fans having to go out and buy another jersey. I mean, bro, you're talking $100 for jerseys. I saw that Jalen Ramsey and Robert Woods were having a social media beef about the number eight. I also saw Alvin Kamara joking about it and saying, why would I want 99 when I can have 69? Okay, kind of funny. I saw Dalvin Cook talking about how it could potentially be in the range of $1.5 million it would cost him to change his number from 33 to 4. I saw Stefan Diggs, like I just talked about, say, nah, I'm good for my fans. Patrick Peterson announced he's going to wear number 7, his college number, for the Minnesota Vikings this year. And then there's Tom Brady. And then there's, there's Tom Brady's quotes and remarks. And I just need to say something here real quick about my man Tom. You're so fucking soft, it's unbelievable. This man, Tom Brady, to come out and be a guy when everyone else is joking Talking about the number change for what it is, which is basically bullshit. Here's Tom Brady. Oh, man, it's going to be some bad football now because I'm not going to be able to know what numbers is which position. That's a load of shit, bro. That's an absolute load of shit. And let me just say something about Tom Brady. For him to come out and say that, and Mike Mike got in my DMs when I was doing, oh, he's a champion, he can say whatever... Good, say whatever you want. You still sound like a soft bitch who's complaining about a rule change that realistically everyone in the NFL is going to have an opinion on. Yours doesn't matter just as much as everyone else's. Tom Brady coming out and saying something like, oh man, this is going to be bad football. I don't really know who's going to be which number at which position. Oh man, why is the NFL doing this? This is dumb. Fuck you, Tom Brady. Straight up. You're a fucking douche. If you suck this year, I don't want to hear as an excuse that you don't know which number the mic is. You're a fucking bitch, Brady. I hope you suck. Go ahead, boys. Any comment on the uh, the number movement? Uh, Yeah, I couldn't disagree anymore. When we talked about this two weeks ago, you were kind of more on the side with Tom Brady where you thought the number change was stupid. And then since Tom Brady came out and said that, I feel like you flipped your switch a little bit, Stephen A. Smith style. Um, I do think it is dumb. I think he did a good job actually explaining a reason why it could be dumb. Obviously, you're going to view it as soft and stuff like that, but it is a thing. It's changed. It is what it is now. Tom learned the numbers of the other defense, but at least he provided a reason why he thinks it's dumb. I think it's just more of your uh, hater lenses on with him here, so you want to blow up on him and stuff like is that. Is anyone too, else but... saying that? Is is this not what happens in college football, too? Anybody can wear any number? Yeah. Does that not affect the sport? Like, nobody else is saying this. It's Tom Brady that's saying this. It's bullshit to me, bro. It's, it's him trying to make it seem like football is making a bad decision, and it's his opinion, when realistically, it don't even fucking matter. Let him wear whatever number they want. What does it matter what number they're wearing on the defense side of the ball, on the offense side of the ball? Like, oh, people can't wear number 12 if you're a quarterback. I've been hearing them talk about, 
Wear whatever the fuck number you want, bro. Number 12 isn't retired in the NFL like Gretzky in the NHL. Like, let's just be real here. Tom Brady gets this upper echelon like, oh, man, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. He explained. He explained why. Nah, dude. What he explained is fucking soft shit where it's like, I don't want to hear it, Brady. Like, you're, I don't want to hear that. As in, nah, what, what, Rich? First off, he's allowed to react to what happened. I'll give you, I'll give you everything you're saying if we're a week into the season and he's like bitching about this still and like throughout the summer. But like, he's allowed to react to a rule change negatively, especially when he's been in the league 20 years, is used to things one way. And also, who would have a better idea than a guy that's been a quarterback in the league for 20 years if it impacts people? I'm not saying it's not, he's not exaggerating, but he knows way better than us or anyone commenting on the NFL what he sees out there and what impacts how he sees things. People have done plenty of sports sciences. Like you have like 1.1, like half a millisecond to react to different things. Like I'm sure it helps to have things the same and not changing things in your memory. I'm sure he's overreacting a little bit, but like he's also allowed to voice his opinion on it. And he's one of 32 people that it actually affects. And the rest of us are just people talking about it, thinking about how it maybe affects him, but he knows how it affects him. It affects like you're, more you're, than the quarterback. You're reacting in milliseconds back there. Anything can change it change how you do your timing your preparation stuff like that like i i think it's fair all right so let me just get your let me just let me just make it make this uh clear here you you're telling me that changing this this rule with allowing players to change their number jersey could affect this this affects quarterbacks other players she was saying as well this affects this affects the game you you guys think think it does I think it could. I think that's. I think it's fair to say it could. I'm not saying it 100 percent will okay. change the product. I completely disagree with that. Go ahead, Chu. I think it will affect in the short term, but after they play a few games and start realizing, okay, this is what we're playing, and they're going to get better and start learning other people's numbers. But you're used to seeing JJ Watt line up with a 99 all the time. He switches to something else. But as far as I was saying, the other players, I'm talking blocking schemes. I'm talking offensive line and stuff. You know, they're so used to certain numbers on the other side, they're going to have to learn and get used to it. So it will be a short-term thing, but it will level out quickly. The only reason I think this is even a topic is because of the fact you hear some quarterbacks say 40-something's the mic. Okay, Tom, you say seven's the mic. What does it matter what number jersey is on that player's back, front? Like, when when people are playing football, I think the last thing they're thinking about is what number that player is. I really don't think that matters. And I really don't think you go and change up numbers. Like, you're going to have some guys, Stephon Diggs, keep his number. Not everyone's going to change numbers. Yeah, you're going to have some guys change numbers. What does it matter if Patrick Peterson wears seven? Or what was he wearing? 23. What does it matter? It's still Patrick Peterson in those pads with a helmet on. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter well, what he's wearing. It's also I think that's I think that's just so weird. The quarterback's also the one responsible for the most things out there. Like, a wide receiver doesn't need to know everyone's number. Like, people lining up on the whole line. It's it's the the quarterback is more responsible for everyone. Like, again, I'm not saying we're going to be, like, week three. Like, holy shit, football's gross. Like, what's going on? They fucked up with this numbers. But, like, I think it's fair that, like, week one as a quarterback, week two, first few weeks, you're, like, it takes an extra, like, millisecond, extra second to read some things. But Doug's changed their game. Like, Preacher's a habit. They've been doing it 20 years. Like, I think it's fair to be – and they will have to adapt because that's the rule. And they will adapt and they will get better. And by week three, they will be better at picking out these numbers and yeah. all that. It's such a split second thing, too, when it's happening and the play is happening, too. So I think it's going to take a little bit of time to get that muscle memory back with it. I think just the whole split second argument, then the last thing that's in these any of these guys' mind is what number that guy's wearing. Like it, To me, it's like, bro, whatever number is that guy's wearing, it doesn't matter. And 
for just the whole like the literally I don't see anybody else reacting about this like Tom Brady. Like I just see everybody else either joking about it, talking about either they're gonna change their number or do it, and then you got Tom Brady saying this is gonna affect the game. Sounds like you guys are on Brady's side here. This might affect the game. I don't see how this affects the game. Them changing their number. Necessarily, I'm not even necessarily on his side. I just think, like, I don't think it's, like, him being a bitch or, like, overreacting. Like, I think it's fair to be angry. Like, if something happened in the NBA where they, you know, the jerseys were going to be all advertisements, like fucking NASCAR cars, basically, and LeBron said some shit getting pissed about it, and, like, Ricky Rubio said some shit, no one's going to focus on what Ricky Rubio says. It's like Tom Brady's the LeBron of things. Like, it's just like, this guy says something about the sport. This is what we're going to talk about. Like, it's always going to make headlines. And I think he's allowed to voice his opinion on it. Yeah, and so that's basically my thing, though, is Tom Brady comes out and says this is bad. So do you think they, they think, you think they walk this back? Or you think that, you no, think no, this no, stays, stay. stays, stay. stays Yo, going? Rich, I just got to get this in because you're going to love this. I just did a quick Google search, Tom Brady jersey number, and the second article that popped up, you know, one other person who's very outspoken about this. Can't wait to see Seggy's reaction. Good old Willie Belichick. Bill Belichick and Tom Brady both hate it, so. Now I thought you were really say, like, Daniel it. Jones or something. No. <laughs> Bro, I saw, I saw a funny video on that uh, where I posted it on my Instagram where they won a game on some – on some cheesy cheating bullshit that the refs didn't call. Did you guys see my video? No, I didn't. Oh, come on, brother. Of course Bill and Tom are mad about this. Fucking cheating bastards. All right, I'm taking a quick break. I got some reads to get through, and then we're going to come back. I got a bunch of NBA to get into with Rich, and I do have to scream at the PGA Tour before I get out of here today. Be right back on the Seggy Station. Oh... Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back. Sega Station is brought to you by Callie's Love, a man's best friend is his dog. Shout out to rescue not to many, but a life-saving pain to me. To me, not the remote true home happiness in a household, but a love and pain of a pet. Especially at a time like this, get yourself a little pet friend like mine at your local animal shelter, pound and nursery. Save their life and they just might save yours. Shout out to my pops, who just adopted a puppy on Saturday. Welcome to the family. Izzy, looking forward to meeting you. Now it's time for your Sports Center update. The Brooklyn Nets signed Mike James to a 10-day contract. Going to have to touch on that here with the Brooklyn Nets with Rich after the read. Sean's up. CCU Women's Golf 2021 Sunbelt Champions. Six six titles won since 2009. CCU all day. Floyd Mayweather Jr. and YouTube star Logan Paul have reached a tentative agreement to fight on June 5th. Looking forward to seeing if that happens. Kobe Bryant's estate. Files trademarks for new line of footwear and apparel as they announced terminating contract with Nike last week. Looking like we'll get some Kobe gear at some point. Ohio guard Jason Preston declares to the 2021 NBA draft. Looking forward for the NBA draft just after the NFL draft, which is this week. Obviously touched on that here today as well. AD returns this week versus the Mavs. Says he's 100% healthy but has not been looking great. Missed 30 games, 10 weeks. Still waiting for LBJ to make it back to the Lakers. Still seeing if the Lakers are legit once they get LeBron back. Steelers legend Heinz Ward is joining Florida Atlantic coaching staff. Tight end Jordan Reed is retiring after seven NFL seasons. Unreal talent taken away via injuries and concussions. Athletes protests still banned at up 
upcoming Olympics. Consequences have not been not yet been determined for the athletes who decide to protest. I don't understand why there can't be peaceful protest in sport. NFL to release its full schedule May 12th. Each team will have 17 games with one bye. Basically, the date to release more dates. Obviously, all people tuning in on the NFL. Steph Curry had 11 straight games with 30 points. It was ended this past Wednesday night versus a loss to the Wizards. The Wizards now up in the 10 seed on an eight-game win streak. Looking forward to getting into that with Rich. Saw that Hall of Fame head coach Kim Mulkey leaves Baylor after 21 seasons to become the head coach at LSU. She missed the tournament one year during that time and won three national titles with the Baylor Bears. Magic head coach Steve Clifford will miss multiple games until he passes NBA's health and safety protocols after testing positive for COVID. Also saw Zach Levine and De'Aaron Fox in COVID protocols. Apparently that's still a thing. But the NFL draft will have a capacity of 50,000 people for each day with masks and other protocols strictly enforced. Commissioner Roger Goodell, Roger Goodell I'm sorry, has been vaccinated and will be allowed to hug players who attend Thursday night's draft. NASCAR will not mandate a vaccine. Just more question marks surrounding the whole situation with COVID. Tune back in. Nick Seglin here. Seggy Station Podcast. Appreciate all love and support for the podcast as always. What's good, Smats? Uh, I just want to get this in because I'm on Twitter now and uh, we're talking baseball. I have something great to kind of... Go for it. It's uh, Padres-Dodgers. We're talking, you know, you asked me, is it a good rivalry? And I do kind of compare it to the Yankees-Red Sox back in the day. So far, they've played seven games. First one, 12-inning thriller. Game two, the Mookie game-saving diving catch for the final out. The third one, San Diego, big rally in the eighth. The fourth one, the uh, game-saving diving uh, double play by Cronenworth to Tatis, where he threw it like 89 miles per hour to get the final out. The fifth, the Tatis two-homer anniversary. The sixth game, the feud between Tatis and Bauer. And then last night, the San Diego six-run rally to force extras and then end up winning. So we have had seven unbelievable games so far this series. So it really is. It's unfortunate that they don't talk about it as much as they should, but it's something you should keep your eye on going forward. Yeah, I agree. I completely agree. Uh, But I also think it's been tough for the MLB and fans of the MLB and then the casual fans seeing all that for the MLB it's just not not good for the casual fan trying to get back into the MLB and I well, talked to you these about are that. the things that the casual fan needs to know not talking about the dumb stuff they need to be yeah, bringing that up so for sure glad we agree uh, on that. yeah I'm glad you're able to do that for me because you know I'm not uh hey, able you know, to get that you see as the much. bad stuff I give you the good stuff love to see it hey rich I got some good stuff for you uh we're going to have to start here with the Knicks. Uh, this is this has been interesting for me, Rich, because now i got a lot of people in the NBA. i got a lot of people talking about the Knicks are legit, blah, blah, blah. Who would have thought? Hey, man, I've been saying this for a minute. I've been saying that the Knicks were going to be legit this year, going back all the way to the beginning of this NBA season. And who would have thought that on a nine-game win streak, the New York Knicks are the fourth seed in the East, Julius Randle, in my opinion, top five in MVP consideration, most improved player in this league. Don't sleep on Derrick Rose, who I talked about the Knicks acquiring in a trade. Let me just pull something up real quick for you, Rich, because I'm going to give it to Julius Randle. He's dropping 40. He's the first Knicks player with back-to-back 30-point games, 10-rebound games since Carmelo Anthony, April 2013. The Knicks are looking to make or win a playoff series for the first time since, I think, 2013. 31-10-5 and five to go for nine straight wins the other day. 
The game before that, he was going for 41. The Knicks have won eight straight games, the longest active win streak in the NBA, and they're now fourth in the East, six games over 500. Incredible stuff that I don't think anyone would have predicted. But I think the addition of Derrick Rose is slept on slightly. Uh, Derrick Rose, since being acquired by the Knicks, has done nothing but perform, I think, at a great level for them. I'm trying to find the actual stats in my phone, which I'm not able to find, of course. But I think Quickly's legit. I think the Knicks are legit. I think they have a chance to win a playoff series. And it's matching up right now that they might face the Hawks, a team that I also think is legit and had being a legit team this year in the playoffs as well. That would be an interesting series. And if that does stay the case, this is my good point on this, Rich. When's the last time where the Hawks were in the playoffs? Three years ago, I think, was the stat on that. So you're looking at it. You're looking at two franchises that have not been relevant in the NBA for at least three years. Knicks, you're talking seven years. Ten years combined, you're talking a decade. One of these teams is going to advance if it stays slated what it is right now. Uh, incredible stories for not only Knicks fans, um, but also Atlanta and the Hawks being relevant. Uh, something I was right on as well. Uh, just curious uh, what you think about the Knicks, Rich. I think I think they're legit, man. They're you got to stop waver on the fact where all oh, they're not going to win. I think they have a chance to win a playoff series for for real. You there? Well, he's trying to figure his stuff out because we had to have leave and go back. I can't hear you. Um, I'm not sure what the stat on Derrick Rose you were looking up, but yeah, I'm trying to find game it. Logs. It is interesting. They're 11 and four since he's played uh, yep. for them in the games that he's played. Oh, I got it right now. Here we go. But yeah, keep going with that. 11. That's what they are. 11 and four. 11 and four when he plays. So obviously, you bring a veteran leader in like that. He doesn't mind coming in off the bench and stuff. So it's great to see. Rich, can you hear me now? Oh, word. Actually, that was my fault because I had to add my volume down. I'm I'm not smart. Okay. Uh, 11-4 since acquiring Derrick Rose. 14, 4, 14, 5, Randall gets all the praise, like I mentioned, Rich. 19-6, and six, sorry. 19-6 and six since acquiring Derrick Rose. 16 points per game, 4 assists per game, 51 field goal percent shooting in his last 11 games. He's plus 75 in that span, which is second highest on the team. Quickly. Uh, RJ Barrett, you talked about him a few times in the chat. I think the Knicks are legit, man, for real. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I mean, I still stand by what I said and that, like, I think the odds of them advancing is really matchup dependent. I don't think that's a hot take at all, though. You're running into any of the bottom teams running into the Nets, uh, Bucks or 76ers are going to have a really tough time. But if they can avoid those three teams, I think they could absolutely advance. I think the Hawks, they are advancing if they get that series. So I'm really rooting for a Knicks-Hawks series. Um, it's been amazing. I wasn't as high on the Derrick Rose trade when it started just because at that point it was looking like the Knicks were going to be more of a play-in team. And my, my thought was like, great, make the play-in game, but like give those minutes to quickly and the younger guys. But if you got a chance to be a four seed, a five seed, like actually, you know, get, maybe get home court advantage at MSG in the playoffs, like that would be huge for these guys. Like give them a feel of what that's like. Like that's something the team like strives to get back to again. So ended up being a great trade. And honestly, Derrick Rose is one of those guys where, Again, it's matchup dependent, but the Knicks have guys in the right matchup that could win them a playoff series. And that's my problem with them going against like some teams like the Bucks, the Sixers, the Nets that have some better just superstar talent type guys. But if they go against some of these other teams, like 
Julius Randle can win you a game or two in the playoffs. Derrick Rose can have an incredible game and win you a game in the playoffs. The way RJ Barrett's been playing, he can have one game, win you a game in the playoffs. So it's it's matchup dependent, but I think I wouldn't have said this at the start of the year, but the way the Celtics have been, they've been a little better lately. I think they can maybe win a series against the Celtics. I think they could definitely beat the Hawks, the Hornets, some of these other teams. So I think if if they stay in the force, if they stay at the four seed and avoid the Miami Heat in the first round, I'll be picking the Knicks. Okay, well let me push back a little bit. I was certainly right about the Knicks. You got to give me some praise, but I was also right about the Hawks. It took a coach getting his head chopped off and Lloyd Pierce, my coach of the year. But here's the thing: since March first, Nate McMillan took over the Hawks. The Hawks are twenty and seven, which is the best record in the East, third best record in the NBA. The Hawks are thirty four and twenty seven. 5-2 and two without Trey Young, dealing with a rash of injuries. Trey Young out right now with an ankle. John Collins out three weeks. Lou Will had 15 points last night in the fourth quarter. All of his 15 points in the fourth quarter. I think the Hawks would beat the Knicks. And that's the one series I don't want to see for the Knicks because I do think the Hawks could lose or could win that series pretty handily. Even though when you look at the regular season, the Knicks are 3-0 and against the Hawks. So do you, do you, I'm it'll not be interesting to see. It, but I'm not challenging it, but do you think the, who do you think's better? The rank these three, four teams in terms of who you'd be more scared to see in the playoffs Celtics, Heat, Knicks, Hawks. Rank them. I'm, that wasn't my order. I'm just throwing them out there. Who I'd be more scared to Ce- see in the playoffs? Celtics. Least with the Celtics. Cel- I'd probably say, oh, right, yeah, go again. Celtics, Knicks, Heat. Hawks. Wow, that's ridiculous. Uh that's I'd probably go Celtics. I'm the, the least Hawks scared. Are... I'm the least scared to see the Celtics. Uh I think I think I'm just they're just too inconsistent for me this year. I was right about them. Uh I think next would be the Knicks. Uh because I think Julius Randle's legit. I think D Rose is a problem. I think Quickly's the real deal, but I do think the Knicks could be a year away based on match. I'm kinda like you said, even though they are legit, I think they will get a free agent. I then would probably say the – I think the Heat are the scariest for me because yeah, I, Victor I Oladipo comes back. Everyone's sleeping on the Heat. Uh, what they did all was me, was kind of a fluke last year. I don't think it was. I think the Heat, if they can be healthy uh, come playoff time, can do exactly what they did last year, which was run through the East. So for me, for me, it would have been Heat, Celtics, Knicks, Hawks. I just, I just not as scared of the Hawks in the playoffs. Clint Capella's been great. John Collins is inconsistent, and I just don't know if Trey Young's going to be able to do what Trey Young does his first time being in the playoffs. Like, I I could be so wrong, and I mean, rub it in my face if my if I am. But I will. My take is I will be shocked to see the Hawks win more than two games in any playoff series. I don't think they're even getting to like seven in a series. Are I you definitely don't think dude, they're winning. Are you sleeping on Bogdan Bogdanovich right now? Are he's, you sleeping on incredible. Daniel Gonari? Like, uh, Clint Capella, really I think, good. is a legit center. I think the Hawks are legit, man. Nate McMillan, I think, has votes for Coach of the Year, no doubt. Uh, I think Julius Randle should get some MVP praise, and I think he's the most improved player, no doubt. Uh, well, we could do, do an sure. update on that. Any uh, comment on the Knicks, Hawks? Um... Yeah, I mean, obviously I don't know as much about the NBA as you guys do and stuff, but, like, it's just, it's the Hawks, even if they're playing well, it's just not intimidating at all, I think. The Celtics do have a good history of playing good competitive basketball in the playoffs. The Heat obviously made it all the way to the finals last year, and they always seem to elevate in the playoffs. Um, Obviously, I'm riding with the Knicks. I think what they're doing has been pretty great, and that defense is special. I just, you know, 
if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I don't know much about it, but it's the Hawks. So I just, you know, they don't win. All right, let me say something. My thing, Go ahead, Rich. Real, real quick, real quick before we move on. My thing with the Celtics is Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum took LeBron James and the Cavs to seven games in the Eastern Conference Finals when they were like 19 and 21 or something or like 20. Like, I don't think you can replace that. Like, as bad as their season's been, as up and down as like Kemba's been, Marcus Smart hasn't been there, Robert Williams getting hurt. Yep. I just think if those guys are good to go when you get to the playoffs, like that's not a team I, I'd want to see. I'd be scared of them if I'm the Knicks. I don't, I'd pick the Knicks, but I wouldn't feel good about it. Over the Seas? Yeah. I think the Knicks can beat the Seas. Uh, I think they can, but I wouldn't feel good about you got? it. I just got a quick baseball smats bomb because I want to pepper in the of good Of course news. he does. All right, so it's been almost 100 years since a player made a pitching start while also leading the majors in home runs. You know, obviously it was Babe Ruth, June 13, 1921. Shohei Otani is tied for first with seven homers, and he's scheduled to pitch today. So MVP, love it. Uh, all right, Rich, I got some more NBA, and I need to go in on Russ and the Wids for a little bit. I had a screenshot the other day. The Knicks in the four seed, the Wizards in the ten seed, the Wizards on an eight-game win streak, longest streak since December 2001. The last 10 games, Russ, they're 9-1 in those games. Russ is averaging 22.4, 13.9 rebounds, 12.6 assists in those games, Rich. This man, Russell Westbrook, is taken for granted, similarly to Steph Curry. I saw a post basically saying these are just all-time point guards that are on a ridiculous level, making history both in the making, right in front of our very eyes, and it seems they can never really be appreciated. Uh, I think it's crazy. I think the Wizards have a chance to not only, like I said, make this plan, they're currently to be in the plan with this plan wrinkle. I think they have the chance to come out of this plan, even if they're in the 10 spot. I think Russell Westbrook is the type of player that can win you two games, crunch time, March Madness style, single elimination. I think Brad Beal up there with a scoring title with Steph Curry, who I think gets the scoring title and is on a mission to get the scoring title, is a legit player. And I get not having much t- talent around these guys, but nine-game win streak at a crunch time in the in the, in the the league when you're trying to make a play-in tournament, that's, that's respectable. After the way they started this year, uh, for them to be able to turn it around, I think deserves some type of credit. You got any love for the, ha- or for the Wizards, or you think they're just an anomaly and they'll get bounced? I mean, to be honest, I never saw him getting in all year, but I've I've been rooting for him too. I mean, it's better than seeing the Bulls or the Pacers or some of these other teams in the play. And like, I'd love to see Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal, and I think they absolutely have a chance to get in if they make it. My only thing with them, and this isn't really a knock, it's just playing the other side a little bit. They're winning the games they're supposed to win, but their last eight wins, they're still under 500 right now, and their last eight wins have come against their first one, the Jazz, which is like, I don't care if Jonathan Mitchell wasn't there. That's in Utah. That's an incredible win. But then after that, it goes Kings, Pelicans, Pistons, Thunder, Thunder, Cavs, Warriors is the team. So, like, Warriors, not bad, but, like, the other six, like, literally the worst six teams. Yeah, that's what my brother was saying to me this morning, but I don't want to hear that. We're playing who we got to play, and we're winning the games. I know, but they're winning the games they're supposed to be winning. And honestly, going through their schedule the rest of the season, it's not much more difficult than that. Like, they play a little bit better teams because that's just an awful stretch. But I'm going through their schedule now. Like, they got to play the Lakers, but then they still play, like, the Cavs. They play the Pacers a few times. They play the Hornets, the Cavs again. So, like, they got some winnable games. I see them at this point probably making a play-in. I just think Russ and Brad Beal are good enough where they're in the hunt now. And 
they can beat out teams like the Bulls without Levine and the Raptors, who, like, I don't know what the Raptors are doing. The Raptors will be scary, though. I know this is about the Wizards. I just need to say real quick, Rich, that he's averaging Russell Westbrook a career high in rebounds and assists this season. He's also at a point right now, Russell Westbrook. I don't know if you saw this, Rich. Players to score 1,000 points in every season since 2010. You want to know what those players are, Rich? LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, and DeMar DeRozan. Those are the three players that have scored 1,000 points every season since 2010. Also, this past week, the man had 20 rebounds. 14 points, 20 rebounds, 10 assists, and 3 steals. This man's, I think, now 6 triple-doubles away from the all-time triple-double record. Like, can... Do I need to say anything else here? Oh, wait. Let me say this meme that he had this past week where he was like, ah, interesting, which I absolutely loved because he's leading the league in crunch time field goal percent uh, shooting. And all the knock is, oh, he can't do anything in clutch time. My brother's like, oh, that's only layups and dunks. Nah, I've been seeing him make a couple big-time pull-ups in crunch time this year. Uh, I think people just constantly find a way to hate on this man because what? He doesn't have a ring? Well, Let's see if we can get one. I think Russell Westbrook is one of the best point guards in this just league. While, just while we're on the bubble East teams, I mean, I've been saying it all year, and they haven't turned it around yet. The Raptors are at the 12 seed at 25 and 35, but they've been, like, ravaged by COVID. They had a few suspensions, and they're still only two games back of the play-in. If the Raptors somehow make the play-in and somehow get into the playoffs, you are so pissed if you are the Nets or the Sixers or whoever they're facing because that is not a normal, like, oh, came from a 12 seed in. Like, this is a team that was together through a championship run that had a good year in the playoffs last year. Like, if the Raptors somehow make it in. Yeah, I hear you. I don't think they make it. That's an awful draw for whatever team has to play them. They got the one or the two. I hear you. I don't think they make it, though. I think the Raptors don't make it. I do want to clean this up in the NBA real quick. The Jazz, the first team to clinch a spot in the NBA playoffs this year, which happened uh, two days ago. I also saw that the Timberwolves and Rockets were officially eliminated from playoff contention on April 22nd. So not bad. Uh, Like a month left in the season, right? The... Or less than a month left in the season, uh, less than a month left in a clinch playoff spot. So clearly, 72 games play in format had teams able to compete a little longer. I think the NBA was able to reach their goal in that regard. Uh, just real quick on the Jazz, though, Rich. Teams that have beat the Utah Jazz at home this season, Timberwolves have done that twice. The rest of the NBA has done that a combined two times. For a team eliminated from the playoffs, being able to take care of the Jazz, interesting. Are you. All in on the Jazz being legit. I know Donnie Mitchell's out. I know injuries. And if so-and-so gets back and is healthy, we'll be able to change my take. But do you think the Jazz are legit if all things being there healthy-wise, Donovan Mitchell, all the team, can they be legit in the West? I think they can, but I'm definitely not all in on the Jazz. They wouldn't be my... They wouldn't be in my top four teams I'd pick to represent the West in the finals. And, like... That sounds ridiculous, but at the same time, like we've just seen this story before. They're playing way better than ever before. Maybe it's like a Raptors thing. Granted, they don't have a Kawhi where like it finally clicks, like same group of guys type thing. But uh, Rudy Gobert just gets played off the floor, and like I think Rudy Gobert is the MVP of their team. I think Rudy Gobert is probably around like fifth, fourth of the MVP conversation because if you take him off the court, the team's going to fall apart. He's anchors their entire defense, their top three defense in the league, and it's almost solely due to him. He's the best probably defensive player of the year you could argue Ben Simmons but he gets played off the floor in the pl- 
playoffs, it happens all the times so when you put it, uh, guys on five guys on the floor who can shoot, he, the floor gets stretched out. He can't protect the paint. Then he can't shoot on the other end and it screws them. And like Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley, Jordan Clarkson, Joe Ingles, those guys are great, but like those guys alone aren't winning you a playoff series. You need Rudy Gobert's defense. And if he's getting played off the floor and hurting you on offense, cause other teams are exploiting him. then I don't think it's going to work. If I was in no particular order, I would pick the, Suns, Clippers, and Lakers for sure to represent the um, West over them. I'd probably have the Clippers as my favorite right now, honestly. Yeah, it's not a bad take. Uh, I think it's I think it's interesting with the Jazz because I think if Donnie Mitchell is healthy, I think Donnie Mitchell is the type of guy that can win you a series. Uh, but in the West, I just wanted to bring this up too, Rich, because I saw this this morning. Never forget that the 2013-2014 Phoenix Suns Went forty-eight and thirty-four, and still ended up with the nine seed, missing the playoffs. Also, needed to throw in that in two thousand eight, the Warriors, I believe, also missed the playoffs. They did forty-eight and thirty-four as the nine seed. The West is different, and I think the Jazz will be playing good teams all the way through, just like anybody playing in the playoffs in the West. I do need to say this, Rich, real quick, because we've had this discussion a few times here on the podcast, and it's getting real interesting now, I think. Extremely interesting. Zion versus Ja. Here's my thing. Now, I saw this this week. Zion, he became the 12th player in NBA history to score 2,000 points before his 80th game played. Incredible milestone. I saw that the Pelicans are in the 12th seed, I think. Uh... The Grizzlies, they're in the eighth slot. John Morant's last four games, he's averaging 29.8, 6.8 rebounds, 8 assists, 1.8 steals, 57.7 field goal, 55.6 from three. Now, I get that John Morant might never have the splashy point numbers and the splashy dunks, which I think he has plenty of splashy dunks compared to Zion Williamson also, but that's just a whole different hot take because obviously Zion gets up and dunks the basketball. I think Zion's a great player. I think Zion will be a great player in the NBA. But I do not think it's crazy to say that Ja Morant is a better NBA player, and I'd rather have Ja Morant than Zion Williamson. Probably because of popularity, because of splash, dunks, hype, everything going on with Zion I get. But he's a 12 seed. Like, he's the man in New Orleans. They're not getting it done. Ja Morant, with a second half sophomore slump in the middle of his season has his team in the eighth seed with not as many weapons in my opinion roster wise and also playing the same competition also in the western conference i think john morant is proving me a little bit right here with things kind of going down on the back end of the street it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out with zion but uh i'd much rather go with ja i think ja is a guy that can get you in the chris paul type like he's gonna have you in the playoffs every year John Morant, no doubt about it. Like, strictly because, and he's only a second-year player just like Zion. These guys are going to be connected at the hip forever. And I think it's always going to be this. Who's there? Who's that? It could have the chance to fluctuate. Zion doing incredible stuff. But I do think Ja has the upper hand if his team is in the playoffs and Zion's not. You guys got any take on that? Um, The only thing I could say is, you know, it's still so early. They're both in their second years, and they both lit the league on fire. Obviously, the hype. 
uh, Zion, the closest comparison we could really have sure. with him coming out is like LeBron and stuff. But you do see, like you said, what Jaw's been doing. I, you know, I don't even want that. So. I just want from you. Who would you rather? Who would you rather start your and build your team around? Zion Williamson or Ja Morant? It's a tough question. It is a tough question. But I yeah. think, and I think, I, th- I think you can't I, go wrong with either guy. Either guy yeah. I think Ja Morant though has the chance to be. Above Zion in that question, that regard, that's where it's at. Rich, what do you think? Know, honestly, I don't think you're wrong to say John Morant's been better than Zion so far, but I don't think that's a tough question. I'd take Zion in a heartbeat to start my franchise with over Ja. And I think you're right. The Ja makes the floor your, or sorry, the yeah, the floor your team really high. Like he's probably going to get you to the playoffs. He's already proven on a team like missing Jaron Jackson with a lot of guys. I'm not trying to undermine what he's been doing because it's impressive. This Grizzlies team has no business being in the playoffs this year or last year, and they were just barely missed it last year and are looking like they're probably going to make it this year. So, like, props to him. He's been playing incredible. But I think Zion's going is the clear – I could be wrong, but is the clear ceiling raiser so far. And the only reason I wouldn't knock him for the team's records is – Stan Van Gundy is only recently making the decision to run the offense through Zion more. They've been running it through Brandon Ingram so much. They got, obviously give Lonzo the ball a lot. So, like, Zion hasn't gotten the opportunity to fully control the team. And granted, I'm not saying, I don't think Zion would be as good at controlling the team as Ja is right now, even if he had all the usage Ja has. But I think in the long term, with Zion on your team, once he gets utilized the right way, once he has some pieces around him that make sense, I think I'd take Zion in the long term. But again, Ja hasn't had necessarily the right pieces around him yet, too. So I don't think you're crazy to say that, but I would take Zion in the long term. I also think that the Grizzlies could win a playoffs, uh, win a playoff series this year uh, if Jaron Jackson, year? if no. Jaron Jackson Jr. is healthy. No. I do. Uh, real quick stat for you on Zion Williamson, Rich. True, Zion Williamson could miss his next 216 shots, and he would still shoot better than 50 percent this season from the field. Wow. Let that sink in for a second. He can miss his next 216 shots. He's still better than 50% from the field. Wild. Similar, uh, one, on, similar one that on Steph Curry the other day. He could go 0 for 500 from three on his next 500 threes, and he'd still have a higher three-point percentage than Ray Allen. Glad you brought up insane. Steph Curry because I did have a pod. I think you made it here, Rich. Chewy did it. Steph Curry's on his mind. No, we talked Steph before. Steph Curry had the best shooting NBA history month. We covered it. He's now up to 83 made threes. I need to get this out of you boys. He's got two games left in the month of April. Does he get to 100 threes made in the month of April? I saw a three he made last night. Ball was in the backcourt. No time on a shot clock. Had no, absolutely no business even getting up a shot. Should have just literally just took a shot clock violation. Did a behind-the-back straight fader from about 45 feet. Nothing but nylon. It's... It's this thing where I'm watching these plays from Steph Curry during the game, and I'm I said it on the last pod. I'm like, dude, this this is not fair. This is literally not fair. And I saw Kevin Durant have 33 points yesterday in 28 minutes, and I see what they got going on in Brooklyn. But I'd argue with that Steph Curry, by far best shooter in this game, right now, if not all time, and he's going right now at an incredible rate that in my opinion, can't be touched by any person. So if the Warriors are doing anything, it's strictly obviously Steph Curry, but we'll see if they can even make the play-in. They're still, I think, right there at the nine. Yeah, so I'll answer that first one. He's 17 threes away. I feel like why not let him try to go for it, especially if he's been so hot this month. If he starts hitting his shots, just let him keep chucking. It's been working for him recently. Um, 
follow up to uh not he might be the best shooter what he is the best shooter he's been the best shooter in league history for years now in my opinion now the counting stats are getting up there um and you know he's closing in what is he second all time behind ray now for threes i don't know probably. i think he passed reggie this year but you know he's what he's doing is incredible and it's, you know like what i was saying about Degrom earlier and some of these guys don't take it for granted because you know he's literally changed the game and it, it's a pleasure to watch every time he's out on the out on the court yeah, I do think it's, like, crazy, though, because here's a guy, Steph Curry, uh, doing what he's doing, and his, t- his team might not be slated in the playoffs. And if they are, they're in a playing situation, and if they do anything, it's because he's dropping 40 points a night. And to me, that's something I did not expect heading into the beginning of the season, so I owe him an apology, certainly, for that. Rich, you loving what Steph yeah. Curry's doing? What's good? Yeah, he's second right now behind Ray Allen. He's about 200 behind Ray Allen, so he'll get him next season, probably pretty early on, mid to next season. But, yeah, he, he's been incredible. It's, I mean, I don't know. Are you trying to do some MVP conversation now? It's just, it's just Yeah, so let's I just do this. Was- yeah, let's do that real quick because I know you got to go soon, and I also just need to throw this back in into the end of the stat, which he passed James Harden, who had hit 82 threes in November of 2019 with the Rockets for, as I mentioned, most threes in a calendar month by any NBA player in history. Harden suffered a setback. Katie in and out of the lineup, coming off the bench, don't matter. 28 minutes, 33 points. I mean, looking pretty unfair. If they can all get there, we'll see what the Nets can do. But they're only going to have 10 games left to do so. I'm not so sure that's going to happen. And we'll see if they can do anything come playoff time. But I do think... The MVP conversation is very interesting because obviously it's this guy Jokic, right? Steph Curry, Seth Curry, Chicken Curry, Eddie Curry, doesn't matter. I'm going to be the MVP, Nikola Jokic. I, I just, it's just so hard for me. And, and, and I didn't even mention this on the pod. Y'all see Joel Embiid's shot that almost went in this past week? It would have been the best shot ever. I mean, I've never once seen anything that close to going in. And the fact that it was that close to going in and didn't uh, was remarkable. I don't think it would have capped his I'm the MVP of this league if he made that shot. But I would also come on my podcast and say it wouldn't hurt. Um, I think he has a chance, but he has taken a couple losses this week. Here's who doesn't have a chance, Rich, to be in my top five. Damian Lillard. Portland's really struggling. Uh They've lost back-to-back games to the Grizzlies. Prior to that, they lost back-to-back games to the Denver Nuggets and Clippers. Lost a game prior to that to Charlotte on a five-game losing streak. Uh, this past month, they are literally two and one, two, three, four, two and nine. In the past month, are the Blazers uh, tough for my guy Lillard, who I obviously had up in there in MVP conversation. So if I had to give you my list, Rich. I still got Embiid above Jokic, even though it's tough for me to even explain that right now. But I do think that Jokic has this little bit of just like almost numbers thing that we were kind of brought up last time where he's got these incredible, like that's really all. Like he's got numbers, uh, all these like PR, like all these like analytic bullshit, whatever, all this. But I'm just not going to, I'm not going to give this dude the MVP because it's just all these incredible PR, whatever. Like when I watch when I watch basketball and I watch the Denver Nuggets and he's great, uh, I really don't see him as the MVP player uh, of this league. And I just think that 
there's other guys you can give this to. Joel Embiid would be my favorite. Uh, I think you can make a strong case for Julius Randle above Jokic. I mean, Jesus, they're both at the four seed in both conferences, right? I mean, so I think Julius Randle would be up in the conversation. Steph Curry, we've mentioned a few times. Um, I, obviously, Jokic is there and in the conversation. I just don't have him as my MVP. Uh, I really don't. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be a Tom Brady thing where I'm just not going to fight you on it and you're just going to stick to your guns, but fair enough. Um, so right now, Jokic is the pretty clear MVP. Like, for me, it's really easy. It's The whole year it's been like, oh, is it is it LeBron and Beat or Jokic? Oh, is it Embiid or Jokic? Oh, is it Jokic or Lillard? Oh, is it Steph Curry or Jokic? Like, the consistent thing is, like, it's been Jokic the entire year, not for, like, little stretches. And, like, that's no knock on Embiid and LeBron. They got hurt. They'd be there, but they got hurt. Like, that just is what it is. It sucks. Like, I would love to see it be a closer race right now, but, like, I'm sorry. The voting's going to tell the clear story. There is no... Steph Curry, if they go on some wild win streak, could maybe get it because, like, we talked about it on the last pod. Like, if you want to, like, go very literally, like, most valuable player whose team just falls off the map if he leaves. Like, the Warriors would fall off worse than the Nuggets would probably because the Nuggets have some more talent on the team and the Warriors are just god-awful besides Steph. It's incredible what he's doing. Like, I think there's a take. I don't think it's crazy to say that someone thinks Steph Curry's the MVP right now if you're using that as your argument. But the thing is, like, that's just not what the MVP ever is. Like, the guy that's, like, any other year right now, they'd be two spots back of the playoffs. Like, there's the 10 seed gets into the playoffs, which or the play-in, which they are right now. But, like, any year where you'd be two spots back of the playoffs, like, I'm sorry, you're not. That's just not how it works. Like, we could talk about – I know you're not saying this, but a lot of people talking about it. Like, we could talk about it. Like, if he keeps winning, sure, but, like – you can't be outside of like making the playoffs and be the MVP. That's just not how it works. And like, so for me, it's Jokic right now. And then it's, you could literally tell me five names after that. And I have no argument for you of who's second through sixth. And it's, and I tried, I went over this before the podcast and tried to rank them. And like, I really don't have a ranking and it depends how they finish the season. Giannis, Julius Randle, Luca, Steph, and Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert's not going to win it, but I'm going to put him there because of all the things I've said. Like, he's probably in the sixth spot of those guys. But, like, Giannis, Randall, Lucas, Steph, like, I think I think they're all in the conversation. And, and the guys I have right out of it are Embiid, Kyrie, Harden, Lillard. And just because, like, they've mixed Chris Paul, like, varying reasons. But, like, Embiid, Kyrie, Harden, like, they've, they've missed too much time. They've just missed too much time. They'd be in the conversation. Maybe not Kyrie. Kyrie only in there because he's been the only consistent How many games does like, Paul George miss? You got him on your list? He's so I was thinking about all NBA teams, and I think Paul George is definitely going to make an all NBA team in a forward spot. But like, I really don't have him on my list. Like, a Clipper, look, he's probably in there if I'm getting like real technical with it. Like, with those other guys I listed, like, he's probably ahead of like Tyree, who I just threw in there. I only threw him in there because he's been the consistent, <clears throat> consistent guy with the Nets winning. But Paul George is up there. He's averaging 24, 6, and 5 this year. He's played 61 games. Or no, I'm sorry, that was a different year. He's played 46 games right now. So uh, that's not not a lot. Like He's not winning the MVP. Like he, He's up there in the conversation because the Clippers have been good. But like he's not in those top five guys. Like I think those top five are pretty like who it's going to be at this point. Like I got throwing Embiid in there too. But like Jokic, Giannis, Randall, Luka, Steph, Embiid. Like it's going to be. I think it's going to be Jokic by a pretty good margin. I think like well over 75% of the votes are going to end up going to Jokic. So they show what they end up being. So we'll see. But um, uh, 
those other guys are up there. And it, it's really tough to distinguish them. Like, like you said, there's not a lot if you just look at the stats and the records separating Randall from Jokic. But, like, Jokic has been just fucking incredible. Like, almost 50-40-90, almost averaging a triple-double. Entire offense goes through him. Like, I totally disagree that it's just the stats. And when you watch, it's not impressive. Like, he does everything for him. He pops out and shoots threes now. Every time Jamal Murray, Monty Morris, Campazzo, whoever they bring to the ball off the court, they try and do one little move. And then they dish it off to Jokic at the free throw line, and he facilitates the entire offense. Either drives, dishes it out to someone, has like crazy vision. Like I, I think Jokic is the MVP by a mile right now. Unless, granted, we're talking like right now. Unless the Nuggets fall apart in the next few games, and like it's all dependent on where you end the season and who ends the season the hottest. Like he could lose it, but I think right now it's, it's in by a good margin. You got anything true? Yeah, I just, I do enjoy when you guys get into this talk because, you know, I don't pay as much attention as you guys, but I, I always like when Rich brings the Jokic arguments because he does break it down in a good point. I mean, you do have your big man facilitating the whole offense. Uh, but like I always say with the MVP talks, we need to wait. We need to see how this last little part of the season goes. Obviously, Embiid has been going off when he's been healthy. I did see that almost buzzer-beating uh, full-court yeah. shot. That would have been crazy if that went in. And then I think a good argument guys brought up, too, is we have to see what Steph and the Warriors do. If they get hot and they make the playoffs, like it is a kind of an unprecedented year. But with what he's been doing, if they actually make it into the playoffs, I think he's going to garner a little more um, recognition and stuff, too. And I said it before, I think, last week, where it's just Jokic, just, maybe he is the MVP. He's playing like an MVP caliber player, but it's just not the sexy pick. And I feel like they usually go with the sexy pick. So I just don't see it being him. Well, see, that's where, that's where it's interesting know. to me because – I think Rich brings up a good point where if it's not Jokic, it's my guy who's missed a good amount of games because of injury. Mm-hmm. It's LeBron. He can't be in there. He's missed too many games, right? There's no way LeBron. No it's way. Yeah. There's just no Giannis, way. who I would argue shouldn't have won it last year and now can't win it this year because he won it last year. Bucks lost 23 games, 34 and 23, I believe, this year are the Bucks. Way worse record. Uh, a lot of the reasons why he won it last year can't be in there. Luca could be in there, but started off the season not great. Very similar to my whole thing with the Nuggets. Uh, with Joker is he's at the four spot, and I think you got to be at least one through four to win it. I think Steph Curry would be an MVP if he was a one through four. But Rich's argument on that putting a guy even at the eighth seed as an MVP, like bro. That's that's not a thing. Yeah, the lowest also, MVP we ever saw was Russell Westbrook in the sixth seed with a triple-double average of the season. Absolutely. Like, you're not going to see that. So, in my opinion, you got to be four-seed or above to win an MVP. So, now let's go back and look at some of those. I think you got to include potentially one of the Clippers. I think you got to include Devin Booker or Chris Paul in this conversation. And I think if Donnie Mitchell didn't go down, he was an MVP consideration player. But you had a lot of guys going down. James Harden. Kevin Durant missed 23 straight games. I mean, this is one of these ones where if these guys didn't miss time, there is no way in hell Jokic wins this MVP, even with everything he's got going on because he's not the sexy pick. I'm just trying to figure out why you got him weighing above everyone else. Just his numbers? Like, I just... Because, okay, I totally disagree with that. It was a very even race between him, LeBron, and Embiid, even when they were all healthy. And now the reason I have him a mile ahead of everyone is because he hasn't missed a game all year while everyone else has been missing games that were at the top of the conversation. And then the media and everyone keeps trying to put these dudes back in because, like, they've had a great year. And it's like, you can't have played 20 less games in a shortened season 
than someone who ha- who's having an equally great year statistically and team record-wise to you and say you're the MVP when you miss 20 games and your team's still up there. I, th- I think that's a bad argument. I don't even like going there. I think it's like a lower-tier argument, like saying, like, oh, the team did well. Well, he was out. Like, that is what it is. But, like, when you miss 20 games, like, all those guys, like, that's why I think there's a real argument, depending on the season ends, for, like, especially – Randall, Luca, and a little bit of an outside shot, Steph, if they could get like up there enough in record wise, they probably won't. But at least those guys have played the entire year. Giannis has missed a few more games, but still played a lot more than Embiid and LeBron. Like, I just, I really don't think Embiid has much of a chance because he's not going to play the last uh, 12 games. I guarantee you he misses two more of those games. He's going to have played like 70 to like 65% of the season by the time it's over. Like, you can't miss, you can't miss that much of the season and be as good as someone who was like, you were right there neck and neck with before you missed any of that time. Like yeah, it sucks. It does. But like, I don't, I don't think he has a shot. So I guess MVP this year is based on games played because it's really just what it's shaken out to be. And you're running away with it. If you play in the games and I mean, it's weird cause it's an unprecedented season, obviously different schedule, uh, condensed scheduling, but I guess that's the thing that's helping Joker because he's been able to deal with it and not miss any games through it the entire the season. Best, the best ability is availability. It's, I mean, like, I, I hear you. It kind of sucks. I wish LeBron and Embiid had been healthy, and I wish it was like a we were, like, having a tough debate where, like, I couldn't decide. But I just feel like I can't look at it and say it's not Jokic. Like, it'd be, again, if he falls to the eight seed, then playing every game doesn't mean anything if your team was the eight seed. I'm not saying Jokic is the automatic MVP. I'm just saying as things stand right now, if they don't fall off a cliff, which I don't expect them to the next week, the playoffs will be another story. I just uh, 50, 40, 90, almost triple, double, almost. I know they're almost, but like running the whole offense through you, doing everything as a big, I don't. Yeah. It'll be interesting playing all the games. I can't, I can't not give it to him. It'll be interesting to see how these last uh, few weeks go for sure. I think, you bring up some valid points with it, but I do think there's definitely some stuff to be seen here over the last, whatever, 10 games or so. And he can definitely, I don't think he can uh, go out and, uh, I don't know, it's, just, my, it's my, tough for me. I guess other, he's, I guess if it's just on is, games played, then he can't really do anything unless he doesn't miss out on games. Like, he just got to play the games. I, I, to be fair, I was on the Jokic side even when Embiid was healthy, and my argument then, and which still applies now, I just think the games played is a bigger one, is when the Nuggets' MO is like, the Nuggets are terrible on defense right now. Before Jamal, injury, Jamal Murray injury, after, all their success comes through offense, and all of their offense runs through Jokic. The Sixers, top six, I think it is, defense right now, and Embiid's an incredible defender. I'm not knocking him for being a great defender, but Ben Simmons is one of the top two defenders in the league right now. So like the Sixers don't solely rely on Embiid's offense to go. Ben Simmons has the ball in his hands a lot. Their defense is what they really hang their hat on more than their offense. Whereas the Nuggets are literally going out there every night and being like, if Jokic doesn't put up 20 plus points or like 16 plus points and 12 plus assists, we're not winning this game. And like, I think that's what it really comes down to. Like the team like really relies on him. I mean, and I'm not saying they don't rely on Embiid. I'm not not like Embiid. Embiid see, this is my this is my argument Embiid for Embiid. I think Embiid's a better defender than Jokic. Yeah. Uh, I think I think you're not watching enough Sixers games if you're saying that 
the Sixers aren't relying on Embiid to go out there and score 25, have 15 rebounds, and and, and have some block are. shots to win a game are. because Ben Simmons has missed a good amount of games. The Sixers are up there in the East, filled with the Nets, Bucks, you know, he all these teams that are there that are competitors up there for a one seed, and I think that matters for the race for the MVP. And I've I've said that here. I've been consistent with that. So I think, I think, I think be- yes, you'd make a very valid point if the Nuggets can stay at their where they are with four, even with the loss of Jamal Murray and everything that you got with your argument for Jokic. But it hasn't happened yet. Do they slip? Can they fall to five, even six? And if they do, I think there is no way in hell, even with the standings that close. So I do think it's possible that he wins MVP at the five or six in the West. Um, so they could go on a two, three game losing streak, whatever it is. And fall, and he could fall out. I think that is the other, possible. The other thing right now is a few weeks ago it was a different story. Like the Sixers were up a few games on the Nuggets. They're both thirty nine and twenty one right now. They both have the exact same record. Or Jokic just played twenty more games. Entire offense run. It's like it's just tough. Like I, I wouldn't argue if you told me like Embiid is the better basketball player. If I was drafting a team, I'd take Embiid. Like I think it's. I honestly don't know which side I'd go on, but I think that's fair because he's a better defender. He can help you on both sides of the floor more than Jokic can. But like in terms of like how these teams are set up, how this season's gone, the games they've played, like it's tough for me not to call Jokic the MVP. But I think there's a very fair case that maybe even I'd agree with that Embiid's the better player. All right, I guess I got that out of you uh, before you had to go. Um, good talk today. You be say bye to Smats sure. before you got to go. Peace, Smats. How's the show treating you? Oh. You know it's going well. Uh, market was hot last night. I made over 200K just flipping cards. So Mike Trout will be mine soon. Jacob DeGrom Let's will go. be mine soon. You guys ever want a game with Absolutely. me again or nah? I got on last night and you got off like five minutes later. I got on pretty late though. I'll play tonight. All right, cool. I'll see you in a little while then. Rich, cool. uh, Mets have an off day today, but they start a three-game series with the Red Sox tomorrow. Oh, nice. Maybe mm-hmm. I'll get a game in. I've watched uh, probably like four or five. When's DeGrom humming? Yeah, I believe Wednesday night is the game you want to watch because DeGrom's pitching. Wednesday night is the day, Rich. It's probably the game I don't want to watch since I like to see the Red Sox actually get some hits when I watch. <laughs> hey, you never know. I mean, they did beat DeGrom in 2018 as Cy Young year, the year they won the World Series. So who knows what happens? We will see. I won't root for DeGrom to get shelled, though. I don't hey, much love, Rich. And before I send you out of here, I just want to say you should watch Coming to America, too. It's great. Amazon Prime. You guys should watch uh, Ted Lasso, if you haven't heard of that at all. Have you I've seen heard that? that's good. I haven't seen it, but I've heard it. Ted good. Lasso? No, I've never heard of that. Uh, Jason Sudeikis. It's like a, the dad in World of Millers. It's a, um, uh, he was the basketball coach, or no, the football coach at Wichita State, like jokingly. And he gets hired by this English Premier League soccer team. And the dude knows nothing about soccer, basically because this lady's trying to, like, tank the soccer team. And he's just, like, the funniest, nicest dude in the entire world. Like, knows nothing about soccer. It sounds kind of stupid just explaining it, but it's a great TV show. Like, it's getting some of, like, the best ratings of any show out there. It's great. It's really funny. Netflix? You would, you would both like it. No, it's on um, it's on Apple TV+. Plus, Apple but it's only TV+. 10, Plus. It's, it's only uh, ten episodes, and they have a week-long free trial, so you could you could easily watch it in a week on the free trial and cancel. Classic. Okay. Bot. All right, brother. Catch you soon right, on boys. the sticks, hopefully. Yep, got to take this work call, but good talking. Go talk next. Always a pleasure, Richard.
right, before I get out of here, I just got a quick rant to get in for my guy Shane. I don't know if we'll listen to the podcast this long in, but he brought this topic up for me, and I certainly needed to throw this in my podcast today. <sighs> Chew. Um, I'm definitely trying to get out of here, so I'll do this quick. I saw that the PGA Tour is setting up a $40 million pool in which it will pay players based on popularity and social media activity. Now, as a PGA professional, as a golf fan, as a golf guy, I think this is an embarrassment. Um, we have a thing called the PGA Disaster Relief Fund, on uh, which they obviously help PGA professionals that are impacted by things like COVID, national disasters, tornadoes, all those things. Uh, can we put some money towards that? Uh, obviously, there's a lot of things going on with charities for COVID, whatever, can't, all these things. Can't, put the money towards that. Um, there's plenty of other ways you could take this $40 million pool and do better, not only in the game of golf, maybe, but in society life whatever golfers make a lot of money man people don't realize how much money golfers make um they make too much money all athletes do but this right here is an embarrassment for the tour because they're basically trying to get pga pros to be a little more proactive on social media just like all other athletes talked about it here on the podcast today lebron james nfl players out on social media um named a few of those guys today it's a thing um, you don't see as much golfers on social media, and I think that is a legitimate thing. Um, but paying them to get their popularity up and to visit social media, I don't think paying Brooks Kepka to set up a match with David Portnoy that I saw this week uh, for his Barstool Charity fucking fun is a good thing for the game of golf. I don't think setting up for these guys to get on social media to do fake shit for money is a good thing for the game of golf. And I think there's... Better ways to spend money when there's a lot of people in need right now, um, particularly looking at not only this the golf business, but obviously everywhere else. And if you're the PGA Tour, set up on this whole thing of being at a higher standard. I mean, let's just be real here. Like, as a golf professional and the things I've learned about golf, like, golf is just at a higher standard than other sports. It's an integrity sport. Um, it's, a, it's an individual sport. Obviously, it's a game based on uh, friendship, values, uh, you can play it a lot longer. It's, it's just different. It's a different sport, man. And I just don't see this being a good thing for not only the tour, but just for players on tour that may, as we say, find themselves in social media situations for the wrong reasons, greed and money, rather than the good reasons, which is, hey, maybe they're, you know, making a guy's day by retweeting his thing. It's... It's just a little fake for me, and I'm not about this at all. And I really hope this goes away quicker than it comes to being anything on the tour. But it has been announced, and I saw Kevin Kisner talking about it, basically saying that, well, yeah, of course we're going to be a little more active if you put $40 million involved. Well, mm -hmm. duh. Yeah. And so if they're gonna, if this is going to be a thing, well, it looks like you're going to be seeing tour players on social media a little more. You start following them, too. Yeah, I, uh, I think you hit the nail on the head there where you say it just feels fake. Uh, fabricated for money. Um, obviously, that is a big thing in social media presence with athletes. It's another form of income when you get so big and stuff. But 
you know, grow the game the natural way, you know, stop trying to just pump money into it like that. Like you said, you could donate that money to other things, do greater things, uh, maybe start doing um, events where you get random fans to play with some like professional golfer and do, you know, 2v2 matches, stuff yeah. like that where you actually grow the game and you actually have them interact with the fans and stuff like that and help grow, especially for the younger generations. Yeah, we've like that. seen some of that with the yeah. with the hiatus and then obviously the match and the match two and Tiger and Phil and all that. And, you know, I saw T Tiger Woods post on Instagram, mm -hmm. him on the course with a pup in the background, joking about his recovery. And to me, that looked like a guy in too good of spirits to never play golf again. Mm -hmm. I think he does, even I as do crazy too. as it sounds. Um, I also think... Before we get out of here and I'll get the music going, I saw this from Alvin Kamara. I got to throw this in, which was with this whole pre-draft process going on this week. Obviously, NFL draft, three more sleeps, pumped for it. Thursday, ABC, ESPN, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Don't miss out if you want to see who your team is drafting this year. Should be fire. Alvin Kamara comment on removing his nose ring for the pre-draft process. Says, quote, no, if you don't like it, then you don't want to be drafting me. And I've been on that record fear for a minute with just anybody that has whatever they got going on, you know, tats, hairstyle, whatever. I mean, I think in this atmosphere, 2021 society, America, whatever, everyone has their opinion, everyone has their style and swag, um... You're going to have some of that old school mentality, but I think that's part of the change I've been looking to create as well. Um, getting rid of some of the old school mentality as much as it's important. Um, it's not 1970. Mm -hmm. It's not 1960. Um, we're in a different time. People express themselves differently. I think Alvin Kamara makes a great point. Um, also need to shout out Terrence Clark, who passed away, Kentucky guard this week in a terrible motor, motor uh, automobile accident. Uh, was on his way to a workout, just signed with Clutch Sports one day prior, 19 years old, projected to be a first-round pick in this upcoming NBA draft. Uh, said that here a few times on the podcast before. Never know when it's going to be your time. Can happen at any time. Uh, you could be an infant, 19 years old, 91 years old, don't matter. Um, enjoy it every bit of it you get life to the fullest and thoughts and prayers to the Clark family. Absolutely sad story to see this week as well. Mentioned coming to America too. I think it's a must watch just throwing this in here. As I've talked about it here on the podcast a few times, it's not so often you see the second movie or the remake of a movie being better than the first. And the first coming to America is great. I mean, I'm not, I'm not bashing it whatsoever. I don't watch a lot of movies, so this take might be wild, but I do think Coming to America 2 was better than Coming to America. You should probably check it out. I think it was legit. Um, definitely a funny must-watch, in my opinion, Coming to America 2. Eddie Murphy always crushing it down with that. Um, yes, Matt, that's about all I had today. Basically, just rolling through here. Oh, I did see that Jake Paul, Max Kellerman interview that Rich sent me, which I'm kind of rooting for that, dude. Um, yeah, it was interesting. It gives you a different little insight to it. It's, so. uh, yeah, that was a long interview, but I did watch the whole one. And it was, mm -hmm. it was uh, I appreciated his responses. It was just a guy who's trying to do something with a lot of people in his way saying he can't. And yeah. you just see that everywhere nowadays. And 
you see a lot of people giving up, and rather than giving up, this man's trying to fight through, mm -hmm. trying to get to his goals and his dreams. Respect that, and like Max said, if you respect the sport, you know it adds a. Totally, brother. Totally respect uh, that. Quickly, I know the, the song's ending quickly. Tim Duncan's birthday, I saw that, right? Is that today? Uh, I believe it was yesterday. Oh, um, that was yesterday. God damn. So we have, for birthdays real quick, we have Eddie Egan, who is an American Olympic boxer and bobsledder. He won an Olympic gold in both, which is pretty cool. Uh, scrolling down the list, we have Hack Wilson, American Baseball Hall of Famer. He ha holds the record with 191 RBIs. He also hit 56 home runs that year. And get this, Seg, he played at the Polo Grounds, but he was five foot six. Kosuke Fukudome, outfielder from Japan, who played for the Cubs for a little bit. Mike Scott, great pitcher, who pitched for the Mets and the Astros, won a Cy Young in 1986. Yep. And it's looking like that is the list, my man. You know what it's looking like? NFL drafts three days away. I'm hoping it's Devontae Smith. 11th pick on a Thursday night. About, eh, I'm going to go 9.05 Eastern time. The New York Giants select Devontae Smith. Can't wait, brother. Glad you made it through today. Glad we got to talk some sports. Hopefully we link up again soon. Hope things are always going hopefully well with Higgies you. Hopefully Higgies is open tomorrow. Yes, we'll do that hopefully. If they're open tomorrow, we'll definitely do that. We were supposed to do that today, and of course they're closed on a Monday. Classic. But Rich and Smats on a Monday. That's all I had for the airwaves today. Appreciate you all listening as always, and as always, still have no shame what I had to say. Just a man with a nickname. Till next time, everybody. Peace and love. Enjoy them sports. We'll see you next time on the Seggy Station. Much love. Deuces. Treat people the way you want to be treated. Have a great day. We out. Seggy Station. <laughs>